It's the True Penny Show. With your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James This is my show. We are back this week after our sojourn down the historical avenues with uh, John and Chelsea over the last couple of weeks. This week, we are back at your modern day wrestling of wrestling that actually happened this week. And we are back with Glate. And we are back with the man who's become our great correspondent, Mr. Marcus Green. How are you, sir? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, it's, it's the resident Glate correspondent. I, I like the sound of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was looking at how, how the, you know, the crew was kind of splitting them, like me and James kind of cover OH Impact when we can and, and, and Glate. And uh, shout out to John, you and John, for, for keeping up with everything. And New Japan, and obviously, it was it was uh, cool to hear Chelsea come back and, and cover some uh, some Joshua with you and some other stuff. So yeah, it's cool. I mean, Chelsea would like to do more stuff now. I think she's got a bit more time. So that's that's kind of that's always nice because we love hearing Chelsea. And um, yeah, we've had Alex on this year as well. We've had some special guests. We've had a varied year this year of different yeah. people coming on to do the show. So, but you have picked up on Glate as one of your favorite things. Is it still one of your favorite things? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's 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 still you know still got that intimate feel. Still got a, a phenomenal roster, and you know between these two cards, I think obviously the first one we're going to get into kind of felt like obviously, I mean obviously a solid show, but very much a setup for um, thirty one. Um, just just some all around great stuff, and definitely could have used some uh, some ice baths watching some of these <laughs> bouts. It was. Yeesh. It was, a, it was some stiff stuff on this. <laughs> this yeah. is a strong cup of coffee of a couple of wrestling cards. Um, we were going back to the 20th of August, which was last Saturday. Uh, and there was a show in Osaka at the Umeda Sky Building Stellar Hall, which is one of our favorite names of any wrestling hall anywhere. 278 people in attendance. It is on YouTube. We will put it in the playlist on this particular show. Uh, we'll, we'll put it in there for you so you can watch it. It's absolutely free of charge. They love you to go watch it. They want more people to watch it. They want people to buy T-shirts, which are cool. And um, speaking of T-shirts, Bulk Orchestra. Well, I should explain before we start. Um, these two shows were part of the G-Infinity First Champion Decision Tournament. Pardon me. First champion decision tournament. I could tell that was coming and I was trying not to do it and I was going to close the mic off, but no. Apologies, listeners. Uh, the G-Infinity tag team titles were decided over these two nights and there was two semifinals, Bulk Orchestra, uh, Kazuma Sakamoto and Ryuchi Kawakami, and they were going up against John Tonsho and Keiichi Sato. The other semifinal was Strong Hearts, Seema and T-Hawk going up against Kazayashi and uh, Marcus and I's favourite, Takinari Ito. Uh, and then the final would be on the next night. And that's what the show opened with. It opened with um, a bit of a package to explain what was happening. And Bork Orchestra came out and did the opening promo, which sets the stage for what's going to happen on the show. And then John Tancho and Kiyuchi Sata came out and they had a bit of a blinder. 11 minutes and 19 seconds. This was the traditional get everyone's attention match, but it was a bit more important than that, wasn't it, Marcus? Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> Boca Kestra was on the Bullet Club game on these two shows. <laughs> so we taking all W's, no L's. Um, yeah, I, I dug this match. Obviously, you know, 60 seconds, 
you know, and and, and the strong hearts uh, respectfully always, you know, put up hell of a fight with, with Boca Orchestra, who were just all mountain at times. And that's basically what they were this match. Um, you know, you know, good on uh, Tan Show and, and Sato, uh, but they just couldn't overcome them, man. They kind of kind of bulls those through them, but it was a, it was a cooking. You know, a good little romp to, just like you said, start the show. And obviously, we got this is the first little semifinal. So, yeah, but Book Orchestra, man, it just, it's hard to find a, a weak link in the game. You know, they just, we talk about it every time we talk about these shows, they're just strong. Yeah, that's it. Big lads who wrestle in a big lad style. And it was just kind of overwhelming. Tancho and Sato are just ace. They're just brilliant to watch. But again, it's kind of like, they all get there, but that's their story, isn't it? The minute they're the underdogs and they've still got to get past this mountainous team that they're going up against. Um, interestingly, um, it was the the next team uh, was kind of a an interesting one because obviously Seema and T Hawk, longtime partners um, in Strong Hearts as a tag team, so you kind of expect them. But Takanori Ito and Kazayashi. Mm-hmm. A Hontai team, but Ito isn't exactly your baby face. And Hayashi isn't always straight on the level either. So putting these two together was an interesting take, and we find out why later on in the show. But this matchup was a bit different, um, and it was a lot of fun watching these two trying to coexist. This was the can-they-coexist tag team of Japanese wrestling, and I thought it was really fun. What do you think of this one, Marcus? No, I dug this because you know you had the vet, the two vets with the with the the two younger bucks, and and I, I like that discourse in the beginning where you know, you know Ito and, and Hawk wanted to go at it, and and then they kind of switched off, and then you know obviously things picked up. But I think this was a far more uh, even back and forth match than the first one. But like I said, Bull Orchestra is just a different monster in general. Um, but it felt like it came down to the wire, and just one uh, forced. Uh, form of miscommunication and it cost strong horse took it. Yes, and this this started some um, consultation, if you will, between Hayashi and Ito. Uh, they were okay. Karma heads prevailed. They lived to fight another day. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next day would be a third place playoff. <laughs> I was like, why wait? You have a third place playoff? <laughs> really? <laughs> But anywho, well, there was reasons for that. So let's move on to the next match. The next match was a UWFI rules team match. Uh, for those of you who don't know, in UWFI rules, or sorry, UWF rules, I should say, Lidette own the rights to UWF, um, and they use the UWF rules set, which is basically the traditional 1990 shoot file, which is all about great and bringing greatness back to wrestling, of course, 1990s being the, the predominant time for this style of wrestling being a massive draw. And in this particular case, it was the women's division um, portraying their shoot skills. Mayu Fukuda and Michiko Miyagi going up against Chihiro Tashimoto and Tomiku Inaba. Ashimoto, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the current Sendai Girls World Tag Team and World Champion. Tomoki Inaba is from Just Tap Out Wrestling. She's a protege of uh, Takamichinoku. Uh, of course, we've talked about Michio Miyagi a lot. She's the ace of the women's division in Glate, and their latest signing straight out of the dojo, Maya, possibly Glate's first actual trainee, Maya Fukuda, who has a strong karate background, which was on show here. This was kind of a really good place to showcase Maya Fukuda's um, shoot style. And it was interesting to me that, well, first of all, Fukuda came down in a karate gi, 
and then she fought wearing kind of like gi pants and a sports bra and Miyagi came down wearing Thai boxing shorts and a rash guard which is not her usual uh, attire but it was nice to see something different from both of them they both fought barefoot as well because they, they were kind of showing how serious they were about their shoot style which in previous performances Miyagi has just worn her regular gear without boots and I think this kind of like shows that they're trying to present her or present both of them as a bit more serious and straight ahead when it comes to kind of this personality, but they still kept some of their character traits that they have in Glate, i.e. a little bit of wariness, a little bit of a, a lack of attention to detail and a, a little bit of anxiety um, because they were going up against two big horse wrestlers, uh, well, certainly Hashimoto. Inaba is very new to wrestling, but she's still a rounded pro and she would just fit like a glove in here. So what's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? No, I absolutely dug it. And, you know, watching this match, there was a reason to run it back the next show. Um, but, yeah, I immediately dug it. I had, I'm glad you brought that up about the attire because I was going to say something because I, I had to do a double take. I'm like, wait a minute, is that my Miyagi? Is that my Miyagi? <laughs> she, she, you know, she switched it up on me, but, you know, she still got that that uh, um, absolutely devastating glare. But to me, for me, uh, I think of both these affairs, and obviously we're going to get to the second one, but um Anaba and specifically uh, specifically you know Fukuda uh they stood out not only just with mm. the time I very much appreciate that that commitment to just letting you know what it is and what they're about and with the you know the moves and and just her I mean she you know came to play I think she was the MVP in both bouts to me yeah yeah uh, and you know I, I like how they let the the um, I'm not gonna say little women, but compared to somebody like Hashimoto, not just little woman, but but Hashimoto kind of and Miyagi was they do their thing, but to me, I think Hukata and and, and Ava really um, you know took the highlight you know in the match. Now yeah. I really like that because you know they I think they really you know um, just showcased that that UWF feel. Um, and this and just kudos to these women because this is one of the rare places you'll see this um mm. you know with women and you know somebody who kind of obviously used to so much of the, the americanized sometimes soft style if you will in the past yeah. thankfully evolved and they've let the women you know uh do more of the uh you know more, more aggressive style and then just kind of let them cut loose but this specifically this is something i appreciate because it's just it just takes a different moxie in general. You know, we're yeah. gonna get to another match later with, with the men, but this this is uh yeah, this was this was good. There was a, there is also like there's been a development of the rules. They did change the video and I tried to figure out what was going on. And it wasn't until I watched why Miyagi got a yellow card in this match, which is unusual for these kind of matches as well. They lost it on um they lost this match by knockout, but they were down to one point in the end. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's tap out, wasn't it? You, I think um, Fukuda had to tap out to, a, to an arm lock. Uh, but Miyagi got a heel hook in on Chihiro Hashimoto, and she got it in deep as well. And yeah. they banned a heel hooks in UWF, which is, as I've discovered, is a general uh, grappling rule. Certain grappling organizations, especially in jiu-jitsu, don't allow for heel hooks because if they're held on too long, they can be a real serious danger to knees and ankles. Um, so it's kind of mirroring the martial arts world at certain levels. I think there's a certain levels you're allowed to do it, 
because obviously there's a, there's a certain fitness level that goes along with that. Um, but in this case, it was it, they, they put that in there, and that's the reason why Miyagi got a yellow card halfway through this, which I thought was really interesting. Because it's, it's the kind of like the, you know, why the pile driver was banned in Memphis. If you ban a move, it's, it suddenly becomes much more interesting. <laughs> it's yeah, to the point now everybody does it. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had the traditional bit of fun match: a multi-man tag between Bulk Orchestra. Uh, Czech Shipmentama, Hayuti Tamura, and Quiet Storm, and they went up against Flamita. Uh, oh, sorry, no, with Flamita of formerly of Ring of Honor and General Mexico Independent Wrestling. They went up against uh, Minoru Tanaki, Sonobu Watanabe, Isi Onsuka, and Shigehiro Iri of uh, Strong Hearts. So it was kind of a mix of Hontai and a mix of Strong Hearts versus Bulk Orchestra and an Independent because uh, Flamita has not actually declared his allegiance, but kind of declared his allegiance in this match, but not all the way through. It's a bit weird. But me and you have talked a lot about Flamita and Ring of Honor coverage in the past couple of years, and it's nice to see he's found a bit of a home in Japan. Yeah, man, it's a lot of masked um, guys out there killing it, you know. Um, I just... Uh watched the the emergence uh impact show um which was really good and they had bandito against uh not roosh but they had bandito mm-hmm. sorry my mic cut out um against dragon lee and oh. uh it was just it was just some some brilliant stuff. Um, oh, sorry, not Dragon Lee, Ray Horace. That is, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they just you know some some brilliant stuff. But yeah, the only thing that's more to like book orchestra is already enough. <laughs> Showing like I know y'all do y'all thing, but all the highlights from this match coming from me. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Okay, y'all y'all here all the time. Y'all beat up people all the time. All the highlights coming from me. I mean, the guy went off. Um, and obviously it's Bull Court Orchestra, much like Suzuki Goon. They're not waiting for the match to start, and they certainly not <laughs> start in the ring. And 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 then Flamita just went flying all over the place, and it was brilliant. Obviously, you know I don't I don't know if you could ever get tired of watching Strong Hearts versus uh, Orchestra, but yeah, um, yeah, this was the Flamita show. <laughs> <laughs> it did put a flash of something different in there. There was some really good high spots from Minoru Tanaka as well. And of course, some Soma Watanabe. Love me some Soma Watanabe. Um, but yeah, this was arguably match of the night, and it's supposed to be the bit of throwaway fluff. <laughs> but it was it was really good. Yeah. So, really, really good. Yeah, Flamita didn't get that memo. Like I said, it's a lot of great guys right now in wrestling with mass. And it's, it's sometimes you can, you know, depending on sometimes things can kind of get mixed up and, and whatnot, and you can, you know, uh Depending on if you don't know these guys specifically, but he made himself stand out, you know. So, think yeah. about this for the first time, you know, you're not getting this guy confused with Phoenix or Penta. <laughs> um, and then I think, I think specifically in places like this, because while he is more, you know, he is a high fly, he is more of an aggressive high fly in that regard. Yeah. So, I think he fit in perfectly uh, with Orchestra. And, and like you said, because he hasn't declared his allegiance. 
just the way he performed here, I almost like him to be like a uh, like a hitman for hire, almost. Yeah, I think that's the thing. He's kind of an independent entity as far as uh, Gwait is concerned. So yeah, um, it's yeah, it, it was just good wrestling, solid, entertaining back and forth trios. Uh, sorry, eight man tag team action, which is kind of what you expect from Gwait. It's what they do. It's kind of they seem to have perfected. Obviously, a lot of these guys come from the Kings Road companies. Um, like the bulk orchestra guys and then a lot of the other guys come from Dragon Gate which does mean you've got big strong lads to base for high flyers which in one sense is the perfect thing because you have guys you can base from making really technical flying moves and you've got underdogs who are flying up all the time and that's that's kind of the perfect wrestling equation isn't it really you know, they they could make anything work in that scenario. Absolutely. Except Shigehiro Iri, who's massive and can fly. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just these matches are perfectly set up for him to have a high tag, which is just should always be the way they go. And Walter Nabi did his thing too, but but uh, you know, Iri like it changed the whole momentum of the match. So. Yeah, that's it. Um, next up, we have the semi-final, which is. Tetsuya Izuchiki against beating Sichi Ikimoto in 12 minutes and 30 seconds, 13 seconds by knockout in a UWF singles match where Izuchiki really got himself over. Uh, Sichi Ikimoto isn't actually a pro wrestler. He's a shoot fighter. That's his day job. Um, he's 47 years old. He made his fight debut in 2013 uh, by decision. He's He's been in K1. Uh, he's been a deep welterweight champion. He was in the Dream organization. He was in Pride. He's Andy. He knows what he's doing, is all I can say about him. Uh, and Izuchi is another great regular. He came through from, um, I was trying to say where he came through from, 22 years old. No, he's, he started his career and Gato move under Emi Sakura. Of course he did. Because <laughs> Emi Sakura's taught everyone how to do everything. Um, but, you know, he's worked on the small independence and built himself up to Glate. And this was just brilliant. Just love watching this match. Young guy versus the veteran. The veteran puts the young guy over. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, I dug this. Like you said, you called the last match match of the night. Um, and I feel like the only reason why I topped this this match because it had more bodies, more time, and all. <laughs> Flamita, uh, <laughs> but yeah, this was this was brilliant. This was brutal to the point where I had to kind of tap myself out of the New Japan mindset because it just got to the point where like um, you think it gets to that point in the match where it's just like okay, we done did all our moves, well, almost all our moves. Now we just go strong, style it, standing up. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, like, no, this is this this is the match. The numbers behind you are telling you who's up and who's down. And it was great because, like I said, the veteran was he had the guy against the wall. I mean, it's, I'm I'm so glad you informed me that he was an actual shooter because yeah. that makes so much sense. This kid was catching double hell. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I hope he went to the doctor and made checked on his taste buds because I'm pretty sure that wasn't <laughs> by the time his match was over. Sheesh. But kudos, like you said, to Suya because he really got himself over. He had to fight, um, you know, from under. And he, he came back and knocked him out. That's the good thing. Like, even when the numbers, because I think he was down, what, five to one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He had and, to, it was back against the wall. And he came back, and that's that's really the great thing about these matches. And then you know, because we're also gonna get to the to the second show with the women. Yeah, that was sick too. But this, like, sometimes you know, you you can be on the verge of it, and just one one good one good knock, and it's 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 a wrap. So, like you said, this was just great standout. Um, and I'm I'm starting to get used to these UWF. Um, <laughs> they almost, you know kind of surpassing the pureness of it all um just because of you know um you know the vibe that come with it it's kind of like it's weird with these matches too because it's almost like it picks up an, an immediacy but it also slows it down at the same time because you have yeah. to be and, and and fast but you also have to play chess at the yeah. same time so it's, it's it's you know it's a great you know mental watching it you know obviously safely from this side of the screen so <laughs> Would you like to go back and do some old UWF or UWFI cards if I can find some Marcus for a beginner's guide show? Yeah, that'll be fun. Okay, I think it'd be good because it's like we looked at them before with Alex and Chelsea mainly. You looked at more of the New Japan stuff, didn't you? So it'd be interesting to see what your take would be because I've kind of given up on a timeline of the beginner's guide to Japan because it you get to 2002 and it suddenly becomes difficult to find footage because a lot of it's not on the internet anymore. Or it was, but it's gone and stuff. So I'm trying to like trying to find stuff that we can comment on that we just haven't commented on before. I'll get different people getting this getting different takes. So I'll see what we can find, Marcus. It'd be a cool show to do. Then we get to the main event of the evening. Suzuki Gun. Yes, them, Dookie and Uncle Nobu himself, Yoshinubi Kanamura, defeated El Lindemann and Yu Iska by submission when Dookie put on the Italian stretch number 32 at 18 minutes and 59 seconds, and Iska had no choice but to tap. This was a Suzuki Gun tag match down to a T with the perfect opponents. This was exceptional professional wrestling, um, and it sets up Dookie versus El Lindemann, which is the main event of the next show we'll talk about. Obviously, Dookie had a pinfall victory over El Lindemann in the best of Super Juniors and claimed his shot at the G-Rex Championship, which is El Lindemann currently holds. Uh, so this was a really interesting match, and it was interesting to see Duki and Kanemura, who tag all the time in New Japan, in a different ring, doing things with guys you know work a different style. And it was like, this is really cool. This is super big match exciting, and I really enjoyed it from that point of view. But then you get over that, and it's like, all oh, four of these guys could go, and they went. <laughs> <laughs> What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to use the not a, 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 a well. You know, I like watching Suzuki going, but Duke and, and Kanemaru are not exactly my favorite combination. Um, only because it's, it's just a natural hellish evil that comes with uh, <laughs> Suzuki by himself. But Suzuki and Zack Sabre, like, I, you know, I just, like, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd just rather take the count out. I don't want none of I, that. Are you, are you saying Desperado is a calming influence on Suzuki? <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's an easier night, but it's it's it, it's easy to compartmentalize in your head before the match. <laughs> it's just a whole other thing. Like if I don't get choked out and slammed on my head by Suzuki, I'm just I, it's I don't even want to I don't even know how to explain what Zach does to people, but it's not kind. <laughs> but yeah, with L. Linderman and, and you know L. Linderman obviously a stud and and you um, is great as well, but. You know, Duke and, and, and Kanemaru was a lethal combination. Duke put in a lot of work in this match. Uh, was not playing, looked like he definitely wanted to send a message, which he did because obviously we saw what it led to with, with Linderman. 
Um, and it's not easy to pin the champ like that. Um, and Conor Maru obviously is is like the expert spot pick. He comes out there drinking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> his thing, and he kind of lets Dookie do his thing. But he's no slouch either. But he but he's far more. Um, like I said, he picks his spots and does what he needs to do. He's not going to necessarily press the issue as uh, hard or swiftly as Dookie does. Uh, but I think that's what makes them, a, like like you said, a lethal combination, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's odd. Like, Dookie's hell for leather when he tags with Kanemaru. But Kanemaru's hell for leather when he's on his own. <laughs> like, all of his best of Super Junior wins came by full-court press, start with a chair wrestling, um, and that's how he won his matches in Best of Super Juniors. But watching him tagging with Dookie, he just kind of hangs back. Let, the, yeah. let him go on with it. <laughs> you, I'll come and clean up the mess. <laughs> so, you know, um, and that that's kind of a brilliant way to set off a tag team. I suppose it's kind of the development of the Desperado Canamaro tag team, but both of them are a bit more patient, whereas Dookie yeah. is kind of in your face from the go. Um, yeah. Which is, I think, was one of the reasons why the fans love Dookie so much. He is, he is everything he says he is. He just never stops. He's just constant go, and that's that's endearing to the fans. That's why they love him. Um, you know, even though he's a badass heel, he's he's developed this following. Suzuki, I think it's the to do with the softening of Suzuki Gun. Just generally, they are kind of uh, well. Zack and Tai Chi are baby faces. Desperado is really a baby face. Um, Kanemaru is a babyface depending on where he is at the time if he's wrestling show he's always a babyface um, and Dookie's become this babyface you know because of because he tries so hard and the fans always see that you know and that's that they, they think he deserves more and this 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 week's wrestling in, in Glate really showed yes he does actually deserve more and he is a main event player and that's that's really cool to see and watch him develop um I will admit, I said this online, that when Dookie got the Italian stretch on Yuzuki, I did do my Gino, uh, Gino Gambino impression on It's the Doki Shoki, Kevin. Uh, allowed in my front room because I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm 48 years old, by the way. <laughs> um, Kevin liked that. I did, I did tag him in that. He's like, yeah, he's, he liked my tweet about that. But yeah, um, and yeah, is Karen Lindemann, of course, Lindemann obviously on the losing end, which is to sell for the next match. But Isker had a really great performance in this match too. Anything else you'd like to say about this particular card, Marcus, before we move on to our second show? No, obviously, like I think, you know, we got a lot of similar stuff on the second show, but in, in a more obviously elevated fashion because of the things that happened in the previous matches. But it's definitely no slouch show. You know, Lee doesn't do uh, slouch shows, like I said. Um, obviously, like you said, that that big that big eight man, um, good, and obviously the UWF singles was great, both matches, um, and then obviously, like you said, uh, just leading off and him getting a title shot against Lindemann, which we're gonna get later. That just uh, just a solid show overall, always. Yeah, there you go. Okay, we move on. John Ton show and Gaethje Sato. Oh no, we should say where we are. We're in Currican Hall. 723 people in attendance, which isn't the best attendance at Kurikan this year because they have dropped attendance, but there you go. This one was a much more professionally presented affair with actual commentary, believe it or not. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, 
I didn't have to completely turn it down either because I obviously I understood some of the stuff they were saying. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing is like even Japanese commentary, even though we don't understand it, adds rhythm to the show, adds a adds a pace to the show that you don't get without commentary. I know when Matt Roberts reviewed the Great Show for us last year, his biggest complaint was the fact that there's just no commentary. He said even with Japanese commentary, it would give me something to cue off of. I'd get the rhythm of the show a lot better. And I think that's the thing is like even Japanese commentary fills the air and it gives you focus points that are easier to find and just by the rhythm of the speech, even if you don't understand what they're saying. Yeah, I think also as an American fan uh, that's been so, you know, used to that for so long, um, I can definitely I can appreciate it without the commentary because I can I can kind of be my own uh, Mm. mess, if you will, with it. But when it is there, um, and I'm just kind of tuning in to to you know what I'm familiar with, and and like them calling out the moves or whatnot, um, because I I can't understand them completely, I don't have to get accustomed to any personality that I could potentially get annoyed to. <laughs> you yeah. avoid the Josh Matthews moment, is what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. Yeah. The circle. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There you go. We love you, Josh. Not really. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, well, we had the third place playoff for the G Infinity uh, Tag Team Championships, which is clearly a match of very little point. But I'm assuming it kind of makes a number one contender, but that became a bit pointless, as we'll discuss later on. Uh, John Toncho and Keiichi Sato defeated Kaz Ayashi and Takanora Ito when Ito, well, basically it all went wrong when Ito was holding uh, Sato for a kick. Kazayashi got one kick because Sato ducked and he waited and he got the kick in in place and then went for a handstand reverse spin kick and of course Sato got out of the way and he kicked uh, Ito in the face and then Ito got rolled up for the pin at 6 minutes and 41 seconds Um, it's got 6 from the cage match users, they kind of liked it and it was a really fun match and everything but as you can imagine uh, Takanori Ito not pleased with the result <laughs> and backdrop drivered Kazayashi into the middle of next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which, uh, an, an unfortunate turn of events for Kaz. Yeah, yeah. yeah big fella's done. He's uh, he's now trying to make his finish a miscommunication. So, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 gonna that might be very much well a wrap on that. He didn't, he didn't, you know. Little traditional. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you into the bloody Sunday as we as as the show goes off air. But he, <laughs> you know, and he told he told a singles guy anyway. So, you know, yeah, it's it, I think you know Ito's gonna do some storming, and uh, that could be could be to the detriment to Mister detriment to Mister Hayashi's long term prospects. Um, we moved on then to a match between Yu Iska and Minoru Tanaka, which the Black Prince, Minoru Tanaka, took out in 7 minutes and 26 seconds. Minoru Tanaka sporting his All-Asian Tag Team Championships, which he won in the interim. He's been uh, guest slotting for uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling, a company he's had a fairly storied history with in the past. Um, never won anything, though. Well, he has now. Um, and he won this one. Well, they don't call him the Black Prince for nothing, because of a, after a slight referee bump, uh, Iska was open and uh, a low blow cost him the match. What did you think of this one? Because this was an interesting little tale. Yeah, man, he was uh, you was pressing him, but Minoru uh, Tanaka was he was meeting him at every turn, and then 
<laughs> and I, I kind of got to reprogram myself. I'm so used to, to just almost like slamming my laptop closed on the on them uh, them impact ref bumps. <laughs> I just expect, um, you know, some BS uh, the minute I see a ref bump, but that's that's not necessarily what it uh, that entails um, in these uh, promotions and situations. So. Um, but yeah, he did. He very much did catch him with the low blow. Uh, even though that that that's not what ended up deciding it, he caught him with a with a nice little uh, penny combination, slid on out, and took him a seat in the crowd. <laughs> that, was, that was cool. Smooth yeah. is Minoru Tanaka. There, there was a reason why they tagged him up with Suzuki Gun when he made a guest appearance in New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> he's, he's he's not always known to play it with a straight bat, shall we say? He is a member of Hontai, but. Kind of only just. <laughs> um, next up, though, we were back to UWF rules, and Chihiro Hashimoto um, decided, obviously, that Imada from the previous match was not enough, and went back to Sendai and picked up her uh, walking death machine tag partner, Miku Awata, um, <laughs> who used to be a really nice, lovely girl who wore a skirt and did a few nice kicks. And now she is a vicious, vicious shoot star wrestler to take on Maya Fukuda and Michio Miyagi, who did better, but were an uphill struggle. And Fukuda versus Iwata was epic to watch. Hashimoto versus Miyagi was epic as well. Uh, we have further had explorations. I think Miyagi has been given the job of his. Explain how the UWF rules work, as in no headbutts, because Miyagi was determined to headbutt away to victory until the referee stopped setting gave her another yellow card. But this was kind of the Glee team uh, losing points at an alarming rate. And then it was trying to get the knockout before they ran out of points, which was Bikuda's kind of aim of knocking out Iwata. And it didn't quite happen the way they wanted to, did it, Marcus? No, man, look, I just I get an MVP uh, bronze to Fukuda. She just fought her little heart out, man. Um, like like you said, it, it was Hashimoto and, and, and Miyagi. They clashed on, on almost kind of felt like compared to the, to like a kaiju battle. Um, and then <laughs> out and Fukuda just came in, and I'm and she was she went up against Hashimoto, and I'm like, baby, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> you must save your health bar. Um, <laughs> and because it, it, it wasn't going nowhere, but then the thing because. It was like she was just hitting the oak with her bare hands and, and catching splinters, and then all of a sudden she sped up and and, and was is catching her. And then you know her and Iwata came in and they just finished off, and it almost like Miyagi and, and and Hashimoto became spectators. And these mm. two just they threw the kitchen sink at each other, and I, it came down to the wire, and I was I was biting it because I'm like y'all ready behind, but if she could just. Just Maya could just catch her, and then she almost got her, and then she got caught. Yeah. Um, and, and by that time, I was just happy it was over. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> leave, man. I think I felt like that. I think they went harder than the dudes. Oh, yeah. No, I that's just it. Yeah. Oh, I, it's, I mean, the, there has been shoot-style wrestling promotions before, but this is the first time like women have wrestled under UWF rules, really. Um, so it's interesting to see how they've approached it. I mean, doing two in a week is really hard work for anyone because if you go back to the heyday of those style promotions, 
they would only put one show on a month because no one could go that hard. You couldn't do two weeks on, two weeks off like New Japan did because everyone would be like in hospital after a week. So, you know, to do this style of wrestling this hard within the space of four days is intense to start with. Now, it's not as bad as the UWFI. As we said, there are no headbutts allowed, heel hooks have been banned, and they're not going quite as hard. Yeah. Um, it's still a work and it's still worked wrestling, but you, you can't. You can't yeah. work a slapper to the face too many times. It's just the same. Yeah, it is, and it is not. And obviously, we we know what the we know what the the dance is, if you will. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not gonna perfectly place them slaps every time because you're just going. You're peppering. You might be catching somebody in the eye or, yeah, you know, nose and lip and everything. And it's just when it needs, ladies, God bless them. They were peppering each other, and to the point where like these knockouts feel so real. It's like okay, just call it. Just this oh, is absolutely call it like you don't almost on so many shots you don't want them to try to get back up. I mean, the water's work kicks are like somebody trying to hit a, a tree with a baseball bat to start with. And mind when she's hitting you properly, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just whoa, this was stiff. And I hope they had a good rest 7.3 from the cage match users, which will tell you how highly they regarded it. This was exceptional, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Um, I what did you think of Fukuta? She was kind of signed with a fair bit of fanfare a month ago. She started off in the dojo and has made it to the full roster. What's your thoughts? Obviously, you haven't seen her in a wrestling kind of position. But what's your thoughts as they slowly build their Joshi roster up? Much like Miyagi, man, I, I immediately, you know, um, came akin to her. I like her. Like I said, I like the, you know, the the poses with the fighting and all that and and. and I was like you said, the attire and just the heart of this of this, you know, young lady, man. She just like I said, just going against Hashimoto, that's to me, that's a no go. But you couldn't tell her that, you know, even even when her stuff wasn't working, she turned it up and then the follow up fighting Hashimoto, which I know expended a lot of energy and just the way she went back and forth with Awada and came that close even from behind, like like I said, I feel like she won in both losing efforts to me. You know, yeah, yeah, that was good. No, it's good. I think so. What do you think of? Obviously, you've seen Shihiro Hashimoto before. What do you think of Miki Iwata? Dig her as well. I actually, you know, I think I could, you know, watch um, as much as I'm already cringing thinking about it, like watching like a singles UWF style match between Iwata and, and Fukuda. Yeah, that would be really I'm cool. Of it, like, you know, I think they that absolutely, you know, steal a show. So, yeah, definitely. Next up, interestingly, we had a three-way dance between Hayato Tamaro, Dan Tamaro, and Rising Hayato, um, which is kind of cool, actually. I'm not a big fan of three-way dances, as regular listeners of this show will know. Eight minutes and 25 seconds. They're all, they've all been in the same faction in all Japan when they all wrestled in Chiro Japan. Tamaro is more of a great regular these days because he's a member of Bulk Orchestra. But this was a lot of fun. And a lot of back and forth action, and uh, they kind of all got a standing ovation at the end for the effort they put in. It was that good. Uh, the fans really liked this one. Um, it was kind of a King's Road take on how a triple threat's supposed to work, and um, but it had cool stuff in it, and it was kind of the entertaining trying to make alliances to get the victory kind of thing. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, well, first off, these I was kind of uh semi-new to these guys obviously um i would have seen uh 
you know, Hayato before, but, you know, Uko the Kestra, they deep. Um, <laughs> fellas. But then when I saw him on his own, I'm like, this kid ain't missing no meals. Um, oh, no. When he came out on Turnbuckle and Poles, I'm like, sheesh. Um, and then, you know, um, Dan came out because uh, it would have been easy to kind of get some of this uh, confused because obviously one of the guy's last name is the other guy's first name. And then <laughs> two guys share the same last. So I like, uh, let me get these guys separated in looks. So I got to the real big boy. Um, uh, tomorrow, the other tomorrow. Actually, if I did not know he was uh, of foreign descent, he actually looks like a Dan um, in the end of regard. And Rising Iwato looks literally looks like he just stepped off the set of a commercial. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, so you know the, the pretty boy looks like he gets all the girls, and yeah, he he <laughs> started off like a handicap match. Um, you know, Rising took a lot of punishment, then he switched off, and then turn into a proper three-way. And I know this is, you know, this is not necessarily your thing. I, I kind of dig these situations because I hmm. share when talent can actually make it work and not make it look like, okay, everybody's setting up and, and, and telling the other one, you know, is that to do is just smooth. So um, you got two big houses and, and, you know, Rising's on the smaller side, but he absolutely put in a lot of work. And like you said, by the end of it, um, they got a standing over, which they very much well-deserved. You know? Definitely. Uh, next up, we had a bit of a traditional kind of great match, really. Bulk Orchestra, Chuck Shimitani, Quiet Storm, and Flamita, who's not in Bulk Orchestra, and made that very clear at the end of this match, going up against Strong Hearts, Issei Onitsaka, Shigehiro, Iri, and Summer Watanabe in a compact and bijou of the match we saw previously. <laughs> but this one had Summer Watanabe, at full on Summer Watanabe. A sky twister press off the middle rope. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd had his breakfast, let's put it that way. He was trying really hard in this match, and he kind of hung in there with Fumita for quite some time, and they produced some incredible professional wrestling. Absolutely. Go back and watch that highlight reel from that first match. He was like, man. <laughs> oh, but again, like you said, this is a more compressed uh, version, but still great. Um, and they just put on a you know hell of a hell of another tag team. I don't think you could ever get tired of seeing, like I said, Strong Horse versus Orchestra and, and Bulk is already a problem and you have to meet it to it and that's a whole other thing. So I think that only just you know prompted Watanabe uh Watanabe to step up, which he did. But again, it was a Orchestra Flamita double feature. And uh <laughs> very much, very much dig that that muscle buster like sit out uh power bomb that Flamita does as a finisher. That's that's very much well sick to um finisher that, that very much well goes well with his personality and style. So um but yeah I, like I said both these shows they they bullet club both shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were on form. I did ask um uh the main account of uh Glade if we could possibly have Flamita versus some Watanabe as a singles match. And the boss of Quaid did like it. So I don't know nice. how much influence I have there, but it would be lovely if we could have that, I think. No, absolutely. I would love to see that. Uh, like I said, Flamita is uh, there. Like I said, if you didn't know 
who the guy was. You're definitely trying to check him out after after these shows. Watanabe as well. Indeed, yes. Uh, we then had a bit of a break, and during the break, it was revealed that Bandito and, is it Roy Horace as well? I yeah. think, are coming to Glate in the next couple of months. And Yun Kasai of Freedoms, and I think the one other Freedoms wrestler whose name I didn't catch is also, I could obviously see who Yun Kasai was, because it, it, it was there. There was a picture of him, like... Yung Kasai is probably the most recognizable wrestler on earth. The fact that one eye is different colored to the other and his entire upper body is made of scar tissue. He stands out. <laughs> but, you know, um, he's coming to Glate, which made John very, very happy. I'd, I'd crushed John's dreams because um, I'd shown him a picture. Someone done a mock-up poster of um, Yung Kasai versus... Uh, John Moxley for the next GCW Japan show. And um, uh, John sadly informed me, I've seen it before, it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I said, told him that John Cassidy was going to Glade. He was like, that's amazing. Ah! So yeah, he's very happy with that. Um, but yes, that was intriguing. Um, and then we went back into the show and we had a singles match between Tetsuji Izuchi and Kenta Miyahara, former Triple Crown champion, ace of All Japan Pro Wrestling. For those of you who don't watch All Japan Pro Wrestling, he's kind of on the um, Akada level uh, of All Japan Pro Wrestling. And as a wrestler, he's um, he's a trainee of Kensuke Sasaki. And um, he's kind of... He's an All Japan version of Shinsuke Nakamura, really. He's kind of got that kind of vibe going to him. I hate comparing wrestlers like that because it's... It's not fair. He's very much his own thing. But he has got that energized, charismatic style that uh, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura has obviously parlayed into a worldwide uh, professional wrestling career. And he's got kind of like that style. He wrestles in a very much just King's Road style with a lot of suplexes mixed in. So he's kind of a bit of a mix-up of different things, as you'd expect from a guy who's trained by Kensuke Sasaki. Doesn't rest on his laurels. And he's been as... It's, it's interesting because Sasaki had two main students, the other one being um, Ketsuki Nakajima um, of Noah. He's obviously one of the biggest draws in Noah. And Miyahara and uh, Nakajima, well, Nakajima had a tra- hand in training, wasn't I? Uh, sorry, what, uh, Miyahara as well. But, you know, they both came up at the same time and. Uh, Miyahara ended up being the ace of All Japan, and um, Nakajima is kind of not the ace of Noah, but one of the key figures of Noah, certainly. So they've kind of ruled strong style between, sorry, King's Road style between them over the last 10 years or so. Um, and that's always, that's interesting to me that they ended up going different companies, but kind of similar paths. And they're very different style wrestlers, you know. It, um, Nakamura is very kick heavy, kind of shoot style wrestler with a lot of uh, storytelling going on. Whereas Miyahara is much more kind of explosive spot style, traditional kind of all Japan style wrestler. Um, and Izuchi is a young man who's on the great roster. He's kind of, you know, coming up and he's one of the rising stars of the company. And this was a good chance for him to test his metal against this established superstar. What did you think of this one, Marcus? No, I love that contrast. Uh, you know, all the grizzle, uh, 
veteran versus the young becoming star. And yeah, we don't necessarily like to always compare here, but if you're gonna be compared to somebody, shit, <laughs> like could have could have been on the way other side of the spectrum. You could have been getting compared to like Yoshi Tatsu or something. Uh, <laughs> which is way way far cry from Shinsuke. But uh, yeah, this was this was good. This one of the matches in a, in a good way, in the best way. It felt longer than it actually was. Yeah, yeah. You know. I was hooked into this match. It was like partly because Miyahara is such a magnetic presence in a professional wrestling when you want to see what he's doing. But I got hooked in. It was like I really appreciate Itsuchi for for the stuff he does as well, which I I wouldn't say I hadn't noticed before, but kind of like I think Watanabe kind of steals his spotlight a bit because he's a more explosive wrestler. Um, So watching him in this context, it was like I got to see both of what they could do really well. Yeah, and he was, he was fighting on the ropes. You know, Kento, always, like you said, that, that veteran, you know, instinct was very much dictating the pace for a lot of his matches. And it, um, Tetsuya found his spots, but he very much had to, you know, on that grit. And I think when they got to that, that last third half back in the ring, when he was, you know, seeing Tetsuya with that refusal to give up until, you know, Kento just kind of finally put him down. Um, yeah. it, it was a great show. And it, it, it's not one of them, uh, it's one of them good losses for a young guy. You know. Yeah, that's it. You know, he's he, he's gonna get there. He will be a big name for Gleet in the years to come, and these are the matches he has to have to get there. You know, and it'd be intriguing to see who they get next as kind of a rites of passage match to get him there. And Miyahari's avalanche arm trap German is a beautiful thing, is it not? <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, definitely worth the price of admission alone. Okay, we move on to the semi-main event. Well, I think it was probably joint main event, really. The G-Infinity first championship decision tournament final for the vacant G-Infinity tag team championships. Bulk Orchestra, Kazuma Sakimoto, Araichi Kawakami defeat Strongheart, Seema, and T-Hawk in 30 minutes and 52 seconds, clean as a whistle with a pinfall over Seema. Can't get any better than that, lads. You did a cracking job as well. This match was really good to watch. High-paced. You can't believe Sakamoto and Kawakama, who are big lads, can move this quick. And boy, do they move. This was just great. I loved it. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Again, this was um, a orchestra show. Both shows, man. It was it was all W's, no L's. <laughs> That's what the locker room discussion was. It was just that. That was the, the whole speech. That was the spill. Um, yeah, like I said, strong hearts and, and it's the it's the fight forever scenario again. Um, just switching out the combination doesn't really get old. Uh, Same in T Hawk hell of a team, but like I said, Akesha is just that that big oak that that you know big however many years oak that's just you know you you got to put in that time and effort. You have to match their aggression and outlast them. And yeah. it's hard enough doing one, let alone both. Even for the best of guys, and I, I just think. You know, it's they haven't. I don't know how many people found the formula yet, and it, this is why they they took the titles. Mm. You know, like I said, Seaman Hawk. That's a formidable team against anybody. But Bull Orchestra is just not anybody. <laughs> and these these two weren't even their biggest guys. You no, know? no. But but they they you know they move like some you know shadow demons in there. You know, Akimoto <laughs> is absolutely a ring general. You know, and they dictate, dictate a lot of that pace, and they so smooth the way that they, you know, transition between the tag team moves and whatnot. So, 
like I said, it's just it's all to find chinks in that arm, and it's, it's it's fun to watch both ways, both people finding the chinks and then and people not being able to find it. So. <laughs> yeah, this is you know, this is the the thing. It's like, well, they do have weaknesses, but they their strengths are just that strong. It doesn't really matter that they have weaknesses. Um, and this this is it. It was proper tag team wrestling. They didn't cheat. They did it the proper way and were rewarded with a tag team title. Which is kind of a nice story to tell them that they, you know, they don't have to cheat to win. Um, but as they celebrated the championship, Quiet Storm, Hayota Tamura, and Chek Shimitani came down to ringside. But Quiet Storm was the only one who was celebrating their win. Chek Shimitani and uh, Hayata Tamura challenged uh, Kawakami and Sakamoto for their new G Infinity Tag Team Championships, which is an interesting development. Um, I don't think it's like the end of the faction, but it certainly puts a twist when your stablemates put a challenge in like that, which is not the Japanese way of booking at all, is it? No, very much an in-house thing, which I can dig and respect, but also a lot of times if you can't, um, you know, sometimes you got the, the best way to move forward is to kind of do it in your own backyard, specifically if, you know, that's where all the titles are going to be. If you can't get the opportunity, sometimes you got to put yourself in that. And that's kind of the easiest place to do it when you're in the, in, you know, in the kind of the faction. It's like, well, since you're clearly beating everybody else, you know, kind of do that. But uh, that, that just spice things up. And I appreciate that from Glee, because like you said, that's not traditional. Um, so switching up like that creates a unique scenario. And why, like you said, I don't think it's breaking them up. It is providing a you know a very unique matchup that we wouldn't probably normally get. So I'm you know definitely looking forward to that. But again, you know just because they did that don't mean even within that they're gonna be able to win. It's 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 the weirdest scenario, but that's both extra for you. So there you go. Then we moved on to the main event of the evening: Dookie versus Al Linderman for the G Rex Championship. No, well, I would time it best of one fall. This was exceptional professional wrestling of the highest order. And like I said earlier, Dookie is a main event level professional wrestler. You cannot deny that now. I mean, there was some consultation when he first signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Who is this guy? Guy who's worked on the Mexican Indies for 10 years. Is he going to be able to cut it at this level? Myself and Alex. Alex actually said to me, Alex Watts said to me, and I quote, yeah, but Tai Chi found him. How can he be any good? <laughs> shout, shout out to Alex. Shout out to Alex. And it turns out, yes, he can exactly be that good. He took Dylan Linderman to the limit. L. Linderman is one of the best wrestlers of the last 12 months. He has been outstanding. And Dookie was step for step every moment through this match. It was just electric. 8.32 from the cage match users, a very discerning group of fans, as we know. This was outstanding. And Linderman was just a brilliant championship performance. I loved every second of this. This is this is wrestling the way it should be. This is the wrestling I like. This is just great. What did you think of this, Marcus? No, absolutely everything you said. It, it's fun. Like you said, we don't necessarily like to compare, but I, you know, I think for me, it's very interesting and fun seeing the title reigns, both respectively, of L. Linderman and somebody like Josh Alexander, because they're such complete uh, performers yeah. in that ring. And it's I think the best thing about their range is, is just seeing, you know, how much more difficult it's like for every title defense is getting the challenges are getting more and more difficult. Like 
Uh, Duke absolutely took this guy to the limit, and I just saw the same coming off of emergence with an absolute, to quote you, with an absolute corker that Josh Alexander had with Alex Shelley. <laughs> um, so you know, it's it's you know that's but that's the mark of a good reign. Like your competition is supposed to get harder, you're supposed to you know get you know lighter as you know the more title defense you have. So I think it's it's uh, just great to see because Lindemann, like I said. Um, it's just such a complete perform, but you get somebody like Dookie who, you know, um, just varying in styles. You can't really read him. He's got on a mask. He's, you know, always turning up that momentum. And uh, then he can very much switch, switch, you know, his moves and style on a dime depending on the scenario. So, um, you know, I think guys like him, you know, thriving scenarios like this. Like you said, it would have been just easy to wave a guy like that off, potentially as a Tai Chi find. Um, <laughs> you know, coming and separating himself like this, you know, it, it puts them on par with guys like a Desperado and others who have uh, kind of had to fight their way to stand out amongst the crowd. You know, I think that's the thing is, you know, it was it was interesting when Kushida came back and shout out to Kushida and the Time Splitters and Mochi Machine Guns joined together on Impact Wrestling this week. Time Machine. The match that you know the, the six-man team people have been dreaming of for uh, ten years finally came together before Motor City Machine Guns signed with AEW. But <laughs> for one magical night, everything worked. Anywho, <laughs> um, um, that's the thing with Kushida coming back. You know, he came back to challenge um, Bone Soldier for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, and it's like. And he's the, the he was the champion guy who was champion when Kushida left Taiji Ishimori. And it's like the company hasn't changed. But it's like, oh yes, it has changed because you've got two generational aces in Desperado and uh Hiromu Takahashi. And you have Duki who's getting on his way to being a generational ace. I don't think Duki's gonna win the championship anytime soon, but the fans love him, he's adored. You know, and he's kind of third in line, well, fourth in line with Ishimori in the junior heavyweight division. And, you know, guys like Masawato, who's good, don't get me wrong, but they don't go and look in because they're too cookie cutter, they're too corporate, they're too designed. Whereas Dookie, the fans adore him because they know he gives his all every match. And that's that's one of the reasons that makes him such a popular wrestler and works so well in these situations. Because how often does Dookie get a singles championship match? He's going to give everything he possibly can to get the belt. That's that's his entire makeup. You know, that's what he's there for. Um, and so that makes him a great opponent for Lindemann, who's the guy that kind of stands up for Glate and the spirit of professional wrestling. And that's just a perfect Japanese story, wrestling story to tell. Agreed. Go back and watch this match, people. Get the chance. Yes, it's free on the internet. Go to YouTube and watch it. We'll put it in the um, in the the log of this video. Then, uh, well, Lindemann addressed the crowd. It's traditional. The winner of the main event, as in most Japanese shows, will address the crowd. And the uh, wonderful Glate theme tune hit to the end to give the end of the show. And then the lights dropped. And when the lights came up, Kato Ishida, formerly of Dragon Gate and formerly a tag team partner of Kazuma Sakimoto, was there in the ring, challenging El Lindemann for the G-Rex Championship. Now, obviously, Strongheart started in Torumon slash Dragon Gate. 
the reason why they are the big draws they are. They became this incredible faction that could cross boundaries and cross countries and go work in China and go work in AEW and help set companies up, including Glate, all over the globe. And a lot of that legacy does come from Dragon Gate and comes from Torimon. And here is Torimon, or someone from Dragon Gate, I should say, coming to knock on their door, which is a really interesting twist. Um, the last appearance that Ishida had was in uh, June, and he was wrestling for, uh, obviously wrestling for Dragon Gate then. He hasn't wrestled for anyone else but Dragon Gate for a very long time, because I'm just looking at his cage match pages now. Um, uh, let's see a look at his overview. Do, 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 career, where are we? Yeah, he... That's basically it. He's wrestled for Dragon Gate, or he's wrestled for Dragon Gate, with a couple of matches in different places in spots. But generally speaking, it's all been Dragon Gate. So the fact that he's left that company is one thing. He started wrestling in 2015. And going to Glate is another entirely. So this is going to be an intriguing path for Glate. It's not really like a massive, massive signing. They haven't kind of like, if they picked up somebody like, I don't know, um... Tai Chi, for instance, that level of star, that would have changed the entire Japanese wrestling industry for, uh, you know, because that you'd show how much power they've got. But because they've got somebody who's a noted star from another company, that's intriguing as well. I'm wondering how many connections they've obviously got into the Dragon Gate dress locker room because of their connections through Strong Hearts. But of course, you know, he's been wrestling for that company for seven years. He's never wrestled for anyone else. And if you kind of think you've reached a ceiling, that's going to be something new for you to do, isn't it? Yeah, it might be even better because that just allows them to kind of make those guys, um, you know, kind of how like in, in a way impact, you know, kind of set up a lot of guys to be world champions in situations in other companies where they would have never got the chance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, even though they don't always get the credit for that, uh, you know, by, by commentators and even the, the guys that benefited from it. But yeah, this, this, <laughs> might, this might ultimately end up being, you know, huge. Like I said, because isn't Shingo, didn't he come from Dragon Gate? He did come from Dragon Gate as well. That was probably the biggest signing because Dragon Gate guys tend to stay in Dragon Gate. Yeah. You know, there's a, I can't think of too many that left. And if they've left, they've gone into obvious obscurity. I mean, Pac's the obvious one, I suppose. He's a Dragon Gate guy, has been a Dragon Gate guy, um, went back to Dragon Gate after he left WWE to do at least one tour and won their championship and then came back for AW. Um, but he's, you know, the the Strong Hearts crew have been successful, and I think it's because they've stuck together, because um, they're worth more together than the sum of their parts. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. Is like, it feel always feels to me like Dragon Gate's a different part of the industry because it's such a different style of wrestling. Yeah, um, agree. You know, it's, it's it, for those of you who don't know, Dragon Gate is Japanese lucha essentially. It's, it's a bit like CMLL. <laughs> I mean, in fact, a lot of crossover with CMLL. Um, but it it doesn't exist. The guys, they don't do cross promotional stuff a, ton, a lot of the time. They are currently cross promoting with NOAA because the NOAA, so a couple of the NOAA tag teams are, are, are currently, yeah, um, one of the Peristamals to have on have currently got the open the gate the what's their tag team title called the something the gate tag team championships <laughs> um the uh oh open the twin gate championships that's it they've got the open the twin gate championships at the moment 
mm. where it's a rare thing that it happens. So they kind of kind of get like they're a massive company. They're a big draw. They're nearly they're arguably as big as well, definitely as big as Noah, and arguably as big as New Japan. Sometimes they do big houses and big money. It's just the it's never kind of like you just don't the crossover is a bit different. There's loads of fans. You can find out loads of information. They're really well resourced and, and Dragon Gate fans tend to be really into Dragon Gate, not necessarily other forms of wrestling. And I think that's what kind of like makes it not stick out. If you see what I mean, sometimes it's kind of its own universe in the same as way. Like, um, do you follow, um, I can't remember his name now. Uh, he's the, the biggest Lucha account really on um twitter what's his name did it did it uh lucha blog do you follow lucha blog no right so lucha blog covers cmll and AAA and all of the indies in mexico and he was saying the other day i <laughs> i'm doing my level best to make cmll respected <laughs> as a wrestling entity because no one ever kind of like uses them in the same way do you see what i mean they never kind of like capture things they never kind of like they, they never get the respect that the other companies do because um they just they're like another entity that people just don't get into if that makes sense no absolutely it's funny because you know i guess for you know anybody that's very much used to the americanized companies uh, particularly like in, in WWE, you know, a lot of those people like really thought they were seeing guys like, you know, Cole and Joe and, and you know, basically, you know, most of the, the guys that flew through all each for the first time, like WWE found them or something. Yeah. And that's not the narrative. Like they, they, they didn't do a single thing new in NXT. Um Maybe aside from like like interest music and, and, and some new catchphrases and whatnot here or there. But those guys got founded in other places. I think, you know, like you said, the Dragon Gates and, and, and CML, CMLL provide those foundations. But because they don't necessarily, they're not the, you know, the popular girl at prom, if you will. Yeah. You know, they don't necessarily get, which sucks. But at the same time, in some way, it it, it benefits them in a way. Um because they can keep to the core, which you know we've seen a lot of times, uh, companies kind of you know deteriorate off either by themselves or you know uh, let another company come and pillage. You know I think we've you've seen that with ROH and some some other spaces. But you know WWE's come invaded and basically wiped out. Um, so yeah, it's 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 interesting. But I mean, I think we are in a, in a unique time now where we do have you know, a lot of, of places for guys to be, which is, you know, and then I, I think for the, the wrestlers, I guess it's all subjective because for most, it could be like, you know, oh, you're, you know, you're kind of over there in that small, small noodles, if you will. But, you know, to them, Dragon Gate is their AEW, the WWE, you know, so. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's just different wrestling. I had this massive conversation on Twitter last night because it was like, uh, Vintage Peruso is another Twitter account I follow a lot who posts really cool stuff. You should follow them. Posted the videos of um, when the AJW girls were in WWF in 95. And there's Aja Kong taking people's heads off because that's what Aja Kong does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this um, it's really cool hard-hitting stuff. And 
one guy in the mentions went, but that stuff doesn't draw. And it was like the same women put 45,000 people into the Tokyo Dome a year before. And he was adamant that that wasn't a big enough crowd. <laughs> it's like, and I went all night with him over that and woke up again this morning, replied together, and I gave up and started moving the conversation because other people took over for me. So that was fine. <laughs> but it is just like people will say that it doesn't, it doesn't matter because it's in Japan. It's like, ah. But anywho, there you go. It's, it's sometimes not worth the argument because people don't want to listen anyway. And he started out. He started off as cordial and started calling people marks, and it was like, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> committed, committed to the own ignorance and misunderstanding. You, you can't win. Yeah, that's it. You can't. You're not going to win. It's just like, well, WWE that big. It's had 10 million people watching their product. When has Japan ever done that? And it's like 1957. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. I'm like, God, I'm like, dude, you are arguing with the worst person. <laughs> Particular, like this man is literally an encyclopedia. Like go, like <laughs> like you're not winning this. No, like, no, you're not. Has Ricky... literally gotten more than you'll ever know yeah. about American wrestling, let alone tap. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Dozan and Luthers. I did a ninety-six percent viewing figure, or ninety-two percent. It wasn't that bad. Ninety-two percent viewing figure in nineteen fifty-eight for the NWA International Heavyweight Championship, which is the belt, which is currently part of the Triple Crown. And then the biggest wrestling audience of all times was the Destroyer versus Ricky Dozan, I think in 62, which was only a 60% buy rate, uh, well, percentage rate of the American, of Japanese homes watching it. However, they'd sold more televisions then, so more people physically watched it. So there you go. True story. I think the third biggest... I think maybe the biggest, most watched wrestling show of all time, match of all time, was Mick McManus versus um, Jackie Paolo on World of Sport. Well, it wasn't World of Sport then. We would have been World of Sport then. And that was 36 million people watched it. But there's a reason why 36 million people watched it. There was only three TV channels in the UK at the time. (laughs) So you kind of had a captive audience. But there you go. But it's still getting 36 million people to watch your match from like Bellevue, Manchester in front of you, like you're wrestling in front of like 800 people in a hall, but it's 36 million people watching at home. That's some, that's something to, that's really something. Isn't it? But there you go. Anywho, that's the end of the Troopany show. Thank you very much for listening to us today. Talking about Glate. Uh, Marcus, where can we find you on the internet, sir? Yes, you can find me exclusively on Twitter at ParadoxKid. That's P-A-R-A-D-O-X-K-I-D. Always down in the chat. There you go. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Patreon where you can keep the Troopany Show free forever for everyone. And, of course, you can find us uh, on all of the SoundCloud stuff, the, the iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. Last week, I was on Music of the Mats discussing the music of Dave, the theme tunes of Davy Boy Smith. And there were some cool and interesting theme tunes. A lot of, uh, lot of Japanese disco funk rock, which is as bizarre bad as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so you should go listen to that. Um, and thank you for Andrew for having me as a guest. Um, yeah, and listen to uh, all of the other podcasts that are on the network. We've got um, the entire coverage of the G1 Climax, if you want to relive the G1 Climax in 10 minute bursts. Uh, we have got stuff from the rewind. Go have a listen to that, um, and you can go listen to our friends at uh, Random Wrestling 
review, which is, uh, of course, the founder of the True Finney Show, Ben, um, and his crew, Tom, Matt, and Old Man Sam. They're a fun listen. You can go listen to them. And you'll listen to other wrestling podcasts. It's not just our opinion. Other opinions are available. Go find them out and listen to them, because... Otherwise, you don't get a rounded opinion of what things are and you just listen to one person and that means you'll get closed-minded and you don't think about other views and inform yourself. I inform myself all the time. I try and listen to other people and see what they think and sometimes I think that's good and sometimes I think it's rubbish and that's fine because that's what opinions are supposed to be about. Thank you for listening to The Trooping Show. I'll speak to you next week. Bye!